Chapter 58 As we went along, passers-by stopped and gawked at us in silence. Others followed in our wake. I have a dagger, I whispered to Bear as we approached the town's gates. Give it to me, he said and came closer against my side. When he did, I slipped the dagger from my pocket and gave it to him. He took it in his great hand, concealing it in the folds of his cloak. We reached the city gates. Though they were open, they were guarded by soldiers. Acliff paused and turned. In one hand he held his sword, in the other he had a dagger. Let us pass, I called out to Acliff. In response, he shouted so all could hear. Both of you are traitors, and by my honor you'll go no farther. I may have made a vow to let you go, but this boy has been proclaimed a wolf's head. No one else is bound by my oath. Anyone may slay him. I'll give a pound reward to anyone who slays this wretched boy here and now. I shrank close to Bear. It was he who cried out to Acliff. Coward! Traitor! It's not you I want, the steward said. It's the boy. He's vexed me long enough. Leave him and you can have the reward. In response, Bear shoved me behind him so he could face the steward. His cloak had fallen away. In the morning's early light, his huge body was filthy. Filthier, more bloody than I had ever realized. Whip and burn marks scored his chest and arms, but the dagger was in his hand. Son of Lucifer, he cried to Acliff, oathbreaker, murderer. I glanced around the soldier's swords and hands had formed a semicircle behind us. Before it was much the same. Acliff stood unmoving, soldiers right behind him. Quickly they shifted so that we, the steward bear and I, were completely surrounded. Some of the soldiers were grinning, so eager were they to watch us die. Beyond them, townspeople gathered to engulf. Now the steward moved forward. His broad sword was extended and moved from side to side. The hand that held the dagger, he kept wide. I tried to keep out of the way. Bear, with just the dagger held before him, remained unmoving, gazing at our enemy. Acliff made a thrust with his sword, which Bear stopped with a sudden movement of his dagger. The metal clashed loudly. From those around us, I heard a collective intake of breath. <gasps> His stroke gone amiss, the steward backed away. Then the two men, breathing hard, eyed one another. Acliff made a series of lunges, first one way, then another, which Bear managed to beat off, but only because he retreated. Acliff paused again. It was Bear who now attacked, trying to slip sideways to the steward's dagger side while making a dive at the man's body. Now the steward swung wildly around with his broadsword, forcing Bear back. Once again, the two men paused while trying to decide their next move. It was the steward who made the next series of thrusts. These bear avoided, but I could see that he was tiring. Not only was he on the defensive, but he was gradually being edged back toward the soldiers who had lifted their swords up to make a wall of deadly spikes. Bear tried to move forward, but Acliff swung out widely. Bear, I shouted, there are soldiers behind you. Whether he hurt me or not, Bear tried to press back upon the steward. While he made some progress, it was very little. And now, as if some signal had passed between Acliff and the ring of soldiers, they began to creep forward, making the spiked circle smaller and smaller. It was then that Acliff swung hard, 
while lunging. In doing so, he struck the dagger clear out of Bear's hand. The blade skittered across the stones. Bear made a move toward it, but was blocked by the steward and his blades. Then Cliff began to close in on Bear. But with all eyes on the two of them, I ran forward and snatched up the dagger. Bear, I have the dagger, I shouted. Hearing me, the steward swung about. Seeing me with the dagger, he raised his sword high, prepared to bring it down on me. At that moment, Bear leaped forward. With his great arms, he hugged Acliff, pinning the steward's arms to his side. The steward struggled to free himself, but Bear squeezed tighter and tighter, grunting like an animal, until the steward's sword and dagger fell to the ground with a double clang. Then Bear picked up the steward, held him over his head, and flung him bodily through the air at the soldiers. It happened so quickly, the soldiers had no time to react. A cliff was impaled on the soldier's swords, run clear through by several points. I gasped in horror. From the onlookers, too, there was a great shout of terror. <gasps> the soldiers, stunned and very frightened, moved back several steps as Acliff rolled back on the stone road, twitched, kicked, and became very still in his own pooling blood. No one moved. Then Bear, panting hard, snatched up the steward's dagger and sword and brandished them at the soldiers who stood before the city gate. Make way for us, he bellowed, or by St. Barnabas you'll meet the selfsame fate. The soldiers and the crowd slunk back, the way to the gates was clear. Crispin, hurry, cried Bear. I ran to where the steward lay. From around my neck, I removed the cross of lead and laid it on the steward's bloody chest. With all eyes upon us, Bear and I walked through the gate. No one said a word. Neither Bear nor I spoke. I could hardly believe what had happened. Crispin, said Bear, as we moved away from the walls in that place they had me, I heard chants coming from the cathedral. The priests were singing, media vita in morte sumas, which means in the midst of life we are in death. But Crispin, he said, can't you see the new truth we've made? In the midst of death there is life. I laughed and we embraced. Then as we moved along the road, I swung Bear's sack around and pulled out his two-pointed hat and leaping up I plopped it on his head, albeit crookedly. But he removed the hat and then put it on my head. I, Bear of York, he roared, loud enough for all the world to hear, do dub this boy Crispin of Strumford a full member of the Guild of Freemen. In so being, he is free of all obligations save to his lord. I took out the recorder. When I began to play, Bear laughed. Then he began to sing, though he did not sing in his usual bellowing voice. It was his voice all the same. Lady Fortune is friend and foe. A poor she makes rich and rich poor also. Turns misery to prosperity and wellness unto woe. So let no man trust this lady who turns her wheel ever so. Then as I played the pipe and Bear beat his drum, we two cantered forward on our journey. And by the ever-loving God who sits above, my heart was more full of joy than I'd ever felt before. I was unfettered. Alive to an earth I hardly knew but was eager to explore. What's more, I knew that feeling to be my newfound soul, a soul that lived in freedom. And my name, I knew with all my heart, was Crispin. The End.